So welcome, Davina, to our second conversation where we are going to be chatting about how life has been since we last spoke. Um, and so much has moved through for both of us. I, I know this from contact that we've had. Um, our original conversation was very much framing your relationship with the breath because I'd seen you post about doing a deep sea dive and how that experience was for you, which absolutely fascinated me. And at that point on your journey, you were about to leave the known, which for many people would be the unknown and be a huge adventure of being uh, what you called a mountain shaman to go and take your whole life, pack it all down and go to the jungle to become a jungle shaman. And this was just before the pandemic hit. So today I'd like to welcome you, first of all, to people who don't know you, Hay House author, Feng Shui expert, shaman, medicine woman, elder, just an incredible being who has been such a transformational part of my own journey that I'm eternally grateful for that connection, Davina, and for the work that you do in the world. And um, I'd love to introduce you and give you the space to say more in your own words about yourself or about your life or anything that you want to bring in before we get going on. How the last 12 months has affected you as it has many of us in relationship to our personal inner journey and how that reflects outwardly in the world. So big welcome. <laughs> Thank you very much, Steph. It's such a delightful welcome. Um, I feel like it's very strange even to be in conversation like this. Uh, I really have been extraordinarily isolated for the last, over a year now. It was, we came through the manifestation portal, which I always believe is between 12 and 13. We left the UK on February 12th, arrived on the 13th, and it was like the doors closed behind us. Mm. There was no way back. <laughs> <laughs> and it has felt this extraordinary adventure has begun there. And of course, the, one of the big sayings that constantly has been in my mind this whole year really has been, you know, people plan, God laughs, because of course I came here, um, mm. yes, to practice shamanism in the jungle. We have a retreat center, we have 47 hectares of um, beautiful Amazonian land, but to build a temple. Um, I'm about as far away from that today as I was when I arrived and possibly further. <laughs> And it's not that journey has been nothing to do with that. The first two months, we we had one retreat, which was fantastic. And then obviously COVID closed the world down. And for the first two months, it was very extreme here, the lockdown, military police on the streets, you know, using gun butts to keep you apart, having to walk through body disinfectant sprays to go to the market, et cetera, everything closed down. The very, we spent two months in the jungle without coming out at all. Now I have no Wi-Fi. We've just got a better connection now, but we had no Wi-Fi in the jungle at times. So we were just, occasionally if you walk 20 minutes through a swamp up to higher land through the rainforest being bitten to death by mosquitoes wandering around in the ever loving <laughs> hope that you might get a signal occasionally we could hook on <laughs> someone's mobile and get some whatsapp messages and things but it's pretty random and so you'd get these snippets of news so it was this extraordinarily disconnected bubble and where you're just not in that fear propaganda that has you know enveloped the the globe basically mm. and yet mm. there, I have definitely experienced fear mm. because I did come to the jungle I don't speak the language um I don't know anything about I mean my god I the, the vulnerability I mean I've learned a lot in the last year but the vulnerability of those first few weeks months was extraordinary I mean everything from to begin with, literally every drop of water, every mouthful of food, every bit of gas for the fire, everything has to come four hours upriver on a boat wow. and then lugged onto that boat and lugged off that boat. You cannot do it alone. So the first lesson was community, yeah. was teamwork, was you literally cannot survive on your own in the jungle. Mm. And this, I think, is massive in terms of this pandemic because, of course, everybody's been forced into their little boxes, forced into isolation, forced... Mm to be alone and I hear it when I get messages from friends who live on their own in a flat in London, for example, and I hear the, the mental deterioration of the isolation. So the biggest lesson is we have to maintain whatever we do, maintain community, maintain yeah. contact, maintain links. That, that's really powerful and, and has been a massive teaching of literally, I cannot do this without other human beings. Yeah. 
I'd just like to interject there. Oh, well, there's a couple of things I'd love, um, you know, without going into specifics, maybe you want to say more for the people who are watching about exactly where you are in the jungle. Um, yeah. But but also um, this part about community, because I think wherever you are, whether you're in the jungle with the things that you're facing around fear, which may be very literal, you already spoke before we came on live about yeah. how the river can rise and fall, the Amazon, you know, by 10 to 15 metres overnight. And I was like, oh, my God. And you talked about your land before. And, you know, I'm living on this land. And I was thinking, well, actually, you're probably living on the river at the moment. Um but wherever you are, whether it is in those flats in London or whether it's in a, a, a random place, I would love to expand at some point more about this sense of fear because the whole world has flipped into a, a very, um, like we, we're all seeing people as fundamentally sick instead of fundamentally well. And then the fear that's come in and seeing people step back and seeing people freeze, um, seeing people isolated and lonely, one of the things that has come through repeatedly through my 21 day breathwork challenge and the um, the breathwork sessions that I run every Saturday for free is actually it's not even about the practice. It might not be about, in your case, the shamanism. It might not be about the breathwork. It's about the community. And people are so desperate for holding on to this sense of connection. Because whether or not you are pulling things off a boat and getting your supplies or whether you're just staying literally, you know, emotionally and mentally afloat, <laughs> there's a nice yeah. metaphor, you know. Um, yeah. yeah, but please say more about whereabouts you are and, and you know, so what you have noticed yeah. about fear. Mm. So where we are, we're about, as I say, three and a half, four hours upriver from a small kind of real melting pot it's a, it's a basically a gold mining town it's kind of exploded because of mining it has every illegal industry on the planet it's a real it's not a nice place to be most of the time i'd rather be in the jungle than in puerto maldonado so we're on the river tambapata and this river is quite unusual even for the jungle it is a confluence of two rivers and it's one of the tributaries but we have a shipibo guy um working with us at the moment lovely guy and he's shocked by our river because in Polkalpa, where he comes from, the river doesn't do this massive up and down drop so severely. So, for example, um, A, I live effectively in a garden shed. I mean, it's just a, a wooden hut with some mosquito net around it. That's the only protection I have from the elements. And there have these when the um, storms come, there are horrific storms like Armageddon type storms where you understand just your absolute minuscule futility of being human mm. you know really when you are face the fundamental sort of um force of nature and these storms because there's no wind it's not like a storm blowing through and blowing past they literally will sit over your land for like hours and hours and hours and you just like lie there literally trembling please god get me through this let me see the daylight again it, i mean i've done a lot of praying this i mean i haven't immediately gone away from shamans i've done probably more praying this year <laughs> for different reasons than ever yeah. but yeah. It's, it's you get and this is what we've done isn't it we've disconnected so i find it extraordinary so the the things that bring fear for me have been very much that real you know reptilian brain lizard oh there's you know footprints of an otorongo there's a jaguar literally walking meters from where i'm sleeping there's a 60 foot tree crashing down you know is it going to crush me to death in the night oh am i going to make it on this boat down the rapids in the river without it capsizing in a storm is the lightning going to break the building um you know really sort of fundamental stuff yeah. of that you know is is the poisonous spider going to jump out or the the, the anaconda or the snake or you know the endless 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 um or what you know i mean i have far worse diseases to pretend here than covid let me tell you um, <laughs> flesh eating lace this awful disease that literally you don't even see you have it and your skin turns it and, and it literally eats your internal organs i mean delightful uh, exactly <laughs> I mean, I've had sort of bot flies, which I've had to like, which literally a larvae that grow inside you until you can try and get them out and et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, yeah. a lot of those real fears. But, and that's what you understand that humanity in its, in its not finding ways to deal with that or to be able to breathe through that and to be able to process that has disconnected from nature. That is really the, 
premise that I see behind our disconnection from nature in the first place is trying to protect ourselves from nature. So that's the fear, isn't it? That we fear instead of becoming from a shamanic point of view, it's about relationship. So, and to begin with, it's, it's taken time. It's taken time to get, because it's a very different new environment. As I say, everything was like, oh God, help, help. You know, and now I, you know, when I look back, in a year I mean I walk through the jungle I don't you know I know how to sort of look take care if you know what I mean but I mean to begin with I'd be nervous now I'm I'm not I you know right. insects will fly all around me I'll do the garden and there's things bite you know I just I don't really take any notice of the weird and wonderful anymore it's amazing how quickly we also normalize into these situations right but it's through relationship with the elements it's through coming into relationship with that land Right. So we have to have a reciprocal. That's why ceremony, ritual, all of our practices came into being with the ancients because the ancients understood that we need relationship in order to feel safe, to overcome our fear, to not live in terror. But the disconnection from nature through our kind of plastic boxes, if you like, you know, the worlds that we've created to create that barrier don't actually rid us of the fear. We just get fear in a different form. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I find that much more insidious because it's, there's nowhere, it's it's not, it's like, you know, as I say, COVID, what is COVID? It's an invisible threat. It's a threat we can't see. You know, I can see the jaguar. Yeah. I can see the snake about to eat, you know what I mean? Or the, yeah. the, the rising, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's, so we now have all of these invisible fears that I think are far more traumatic to our um, system in a sense. And I think the one big thing that is going to be a massive outcome of the pandemic is trauma, um, ongoing trauma on so many levels that we could talk about that for the rest of the week, um, because it is at every level of society, every level of being, you know, from children that are wearing masks and terrified, or, you, you know, because children absorb this stuff and they go, mm. oh my God, mommy, are you going to die? Are you going to get mm. sick? Because they're hearing the propaganda. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were we were walking on the beach yesterday and a, and a child who was, I would guess, you know, having my own children who had grown up, she was probably about six years old. And she, there was plenty of room. It was a beach walkway right next to the ocean where you can't get much more clean, fresh air. Yes. And she literally stood at the side by the wall, rigid. Her mum was with a pram over on the other side with a, a little baby brother in it. Until we'd gone through... And then looked up almost like, did I do well? Was I a good girl? I, I, I stayed. I did what I was. And I looked at this moment and I just thought, oh, my gosh, you know, these children whose natural response is very mammalian, actually. You know, you yeah. talk about limbic brain, but it's to play, to respond, to reach out. It's all being so cauterized. And, and this, this fear that is penetrating everything. And like you say, invisible fears, in some ways, it just keeps us in this cortisol state of high alert because there isn't anything you can quite get used to or grasp. And so the mind training and how you bring that in and how you find the support, how you pick things apart is really important. And on that note, I'd really love to, to, to hear from you because you've obviously experienced both because you have aspects of how the pandemic has affected your your imagined life in the jungle and how it continues yes. to affect things <laughs> but also it's it's changed what you thought you were experiencing you're dealing with a whole set of different fears and things that are happening in the world you're talking about the relationship to nature and the, and the right up close I agree with you about that because this is the fundamental of shamanic practice is is being in right relationship with nature the cycles of life uh, clean thinking not going into fear shamans always have said fear is the real pandemic um, but what I'd love to hear from you is like what do you feel that this experience has taught you personally what, what have been your biggest lessons in this in terms of you know obviously you're there managing is that 60 foot tree going to fall on me but then beyond that when you go into you know Davina's inner world like what do you feel it's teaching you at the moment um, I think it's been a huge, it, it's never, it's never what we think, is it? <laughs> or it's never what we think when we set out. So this for me has been an annihilation of the self or my perceived self, the self I thought I was when I left. I don't know actually who the Davina is that's going to emerge from the jungle eventually. Um, because there's mm. no view here. So it's an incredibly internal, I mean, I've lived in the forest in the UK for the last few years and 
I'm st and now I'm deeper in the forest. I mean, literally deeper in the forest. There is no view. When you're in there, you can barely see the stars. And I used to be able to go out to the river and at least stand on our steps and you get a bit more broader perspective of the world, or at least watching the river, you can see the skyline. But since the recent floods, our whole stairway has been washed away and all our banks, I can't even do that now. So it's, it's like wow. being closed in, closed in. It's like, you know, I've really got to face whatever wow. that, is, that internal forest. It's just, just the green, just the landscape. And of course, it's never oh, quiet. You know, there's no peace in the jungle. Or there's a peace is a different thing. People think, oh, you're in nature, it's so peaceful. Well, the jungle is exceptionally noisy. <laughs> Again, you have to find the peace beyond that. So you have to sink even deeper. Wow. So that inter so it's an internal resourcing at an extremely deep level. That, to be honest, Steph, I don't know um, exactly what or who I will be when I come out of this. I'm still mm. in it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm still very much in the process. I mean, I my resourcing, my self-resourcing is the breath, absolutely, mm. is really self-care as much as is possible within the kind of very harsh environment. And it's also a very gendered environment. That's, I mean, it does bring up my feminist self that I've never really been that strong on. I get quite quite antsy on that one out here because um, Peruvian culture, God bless it, is, is and particularly in the jungle. And, it, and it's for a reason, but that's another thing. You get, you have to get off your high horse. Right. Because I'm A, I'm older, and B, I'm not physically as strong as these guys. But, you yes. know, I might like to be, and I might like, oh, I can do as much as you can do, but the fact is I can't, stop. Mm. So, I, I, you know, so I do what I can offer to the community. And this is another thing. It's like, what I can offer to the community is I'm a really good cook. So I spend a lot of time in the kitchen cooking for blokes. <laughs> <laughs> a huge amount of this year has been in the kitchen cooking for blokes. Wow, wow, wow. And I didn't, yeah, that wasn't kind of my intention. And that's what I'm saying about, you know, humble up, get over it yeah if, well we that is actually the best service that i can give of myself to making the teamwork in this moment mm. and, and we talked a bit about humility and being in service before because um you know we we have these ideas and it's very interesting what you said also about the fact of what you can and can't do both in in relationship to the team but also in terms of gender because i saw something a couple of days ago i was reading it in the newspaper and it was talking about how um, the US military had introduced a gender neutral fitness test because they were trying to do the right thing. But actually, the women were failing because they just didn't have some aspects that the men had in terms of physical strength. And I say this, you know, with great reverence and respect. And as somebody who, you know, I've always done circuit training my whole life, I've been a fighter and I've pushed and yeah, I can do that. And I'm coming to the part where I can accept that well, not only might there be gender-based things I can and can't do, but there are certainly age-based things, like you said, yeah. you know, that it's like, okay. But the value of this for me, uh, you know, you talked about what's kept you going and, you know, the breath and steadying and accepting things and getting off your high horse and getting humble. And it's, for me, it's been very much about the, the big thing about COVID for me has been it's a present moment awareness teacher because the minute I project into the future or the minute I start feeling resentful about the about what's happening or the minute I subscribe to the fear or or you know whatever else it is that's coming up for me my the greatest teaching that I'm getting from it is how to really inhabit the present moment and yes. you know when your present moment I mean when I hear that about your view I'm absolutely staggered because one of the things that's kept me utterly sane is I live in Glastonbury now and I can walk up the tour and I've got this 360 degree view of of the countryside and the land and at the beginning, and for a lot of lockdown, that was my saving grace, because suddenly, instead of, I live on my own in a little flat, mm -hmm. instead of feeling like I was in this rather lovely, luxurious semi-prison, yes. <laughs> um, that I was like, oh, look, here's the land. There's millions of people out there who are experiencing this, many of whom who are worse off than me. So I feel that um, it's definitely come to bring us this. You, you use the phrases, the microcosm and the macrocosm, you know, what it's reflecting on the inside and how we relate to that out there in the world. So, you know, is there anything else that you'd like to add around I mean, that? Well, I can't, I mean, probably controversially, <laughs> like some of the big 
inner reflections that I'm really coming to is how we overcome the big fat lie that we are all living. Yeah. And that big fat lie is deeper <laughs> than COVID. COVID is just one manifestation of it, but really it's the it's the it goes back to the lie of God, really. And when I talk about God, I'm not talking about universal energy or force or spirit, but God as in the, you know, the white he God of the judgmental God, in a sense of that lie that has led all of us still in this, and you can see it so clearly in COVID, mm. of this is the real teaching of when the ancients said, we are the ones we've been waiting for, because we are still giving our power away to governments, to corporations, yeah. to people that we think are somehow no better than us or can save us. Yeah. And that's the, it's like, when are we going to let go of that lie? Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting, it's the lie that is in belief. We believe that, that our governments are going to somehow rescue us. It's all in the languaging, it's all in the spell of it. It's, um, uh, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's being the lie in the life. And, and we have to, so all of it, like, as I say, it's taught me to be within community, to recognize the strengths and localize. Everything's local here. You know, I, I, I've been very localized. I, I don't have, um, I'm not broadcasting because I don't have Wi-Fi. I'm not out there in the world in the same way. And that's, you know, that's because everything is teaching me of what is present, as you say, it's present moment and what's around me and how can we all share our resources to get the best for the community. And it really makes you see it's not the best of the individual, it's the best of the community. You know, the sum of the parts is greater than the whole. And it's understanding that this is how we take self-responsibility, our self-responsibility to resource our communities with compassion and collaboration. And it takes a lot because particularly in the Western world, we're not programmed for community. We talk about it. We, we talk a good story about, oh yeah, I want to live in community. I want to live with others. No, we don't. Let's be honest. Mm. We all want to be live in our private little boxes and have, you know, keep our secrets to ourselves, thanks, and have our own private space and shut the door on the world and go, no, thanks, I need to process, go away. <laughs> right? oh, you know, it's like how, you know, really to live, I live in community, you know, I don't, when we're at Sapatu, there has to be other people there. You don't, sometimes and I'm like, oh God, I wish they wouldn't do that. I wish they, but you know, you have to get over that too. And how many people are there in your community? I mean, it's been there, it's, well, it's nothing. I mean, we don't have the community that um, obviously we intended to have. So, yeah, because there's no travel. So it, our community now is just down to, uh, we've had different varieties of it or different flavors of it. So we had quite a few waifs and strays to begin with. There was eight of us, I think, that spent the two months there. Um, basically me and seven guys. <laughs> 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 That brought up all my gender issues, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> and it is, as I say, I'm mostly um, the only woman um, in a very male environment. So at the moment, there's just Nazami, myself, and we have two guys uh, helping us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's mostly just the four of us. I, I love this, you know, kind of what you're saying about, because I think the two are linked to this, this feeling of, you know, go away, I want the world to shop, I'm in my little, to stop, I'm in my little um, cave, and I need to process or um, to, to actually continue, I've been having these conversations recently about, you know, what is the nature of community, what is the nature of love, yeah. what does it mean to love? And to really, because, you know, obviously, my I've had 20 plus years investment in health and well being. And, and so I've always had this sense of, you know, um, personal authority over my own health. I rarely go to the doctors. I'm listening to people who immediately that there's anything that comes up or goes wrong. It'll be, have you been to the doctor? Have you been here? Have you been there? Do you know? And, and everybody's like, the, the programming and the fear is so yeah. deep that people have forgotten how to trust. And, and this brings us almost back to the beginning as well. And, and certainly to where you are. It, we've lost that ability to trust our animal instinct because the programming and the conditioning that I love that the lie and the belief and you know in, in, the, in the word and in the whole thing is that um, we've, we've handed over somehow to this invisible sense that these leaders are somehow different to us there are caretakers but so many of them I mean you know we know because we're in this field of doing this work it's like if you come to somebody who's never 
done any, and I say this, you know, I don't mean to be smug, but never done any personal growth work, never looked at themselves, never suffered, you know, because maybe, uh, you know, they've had to really, really go inwards and feel what's uncomfortable. So most of the investment is keeping that at bay. And there's, there's such this huge attachment to it's my way and I am right. And then you put 10 people in a room and then you put 100 people in the room. And I was saying my breath work, you know what? There are billions of people in this world, billions. Not one of them sees the world the way that you do. That's because, right. you know, because you see the world, we see the world the way that we are. And so we get so stuck in the struggles and the conflict. You know, my, my shamanic teacher has been one of my greatest teachers in, in dignity and, and presence and allowing things to just move through and move through. Because um, I think we have to unlearn everything that we've learned. Our ancestors have given us their stories and their fears and what they were running from and what they were afraid of. And that's where the warrior spirit comes in and the courage comes in, you know. So for now, here we are in this moment with no idea how things are going to unfold in the world. Do you have any yeah. sense for yourself of what, you know, of what you would like for your future? Or have you stopped even investing in that at the moment? I have stopped investing in the future because every time <laughs> recently that I've like tried to find a way out of the forest, because <laughs> there is a part of me that's quite desperate to escape, just to get perspective, to get a view, basically, because you're so in it. And um, every time, I mean, literally it was hysterical. We almost got a system in place so we could have gone to the mountains for a bit and then Peru closed, you know, came back into lockdown. I mean, I, I had to laugh. So mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, the forest isn't gonna let me out yet. Um, right. I'm just having to really just accept. So I have to just keep surrendering more, so keep accepting more. But one of the things I know that this will not shift and what I actually see that COVID, the gift of COVID, if you like, for those of us that are awake enough is really to sit with ourselves to let the uncomfortable come up. We are all having to process all yeah. of the part. We are having to process all of the lies in our bloodlines, in our cellular being. And I do think that's part of this. Mm. Um, having to really look at all those dark spaces. I can see, you know, I've done a huge amount, a whole year of internal personal processing, if you like, because I've not been serving anybody else. But I can see within that personal processing, it's, it's just my processing is the globe's processing. I can see all of it mirrored on the external. Mm. It's very easy in this really isolated place to, because I have these periods of isolation, then I come into town and kind of reconnect with the world again. And then you go, oh yeah, there's my process reflected. Yeah, so there really is no separation so really creating this myth that we are all responsible and that we have to own our response as you say for our well-being for our health for our right to live breathe and be and not give that keep giving our power away mm. at every level i mean it's like how far are we going to go before we stop giving our power away our sovereign right to exist as a human with life and to take responsibility we're all culpable for the mess that this planet is in right now there are far worse threats than covid mm. i mean i was reading an article just yesterday on um, which i actually posted on facebook of of um the plastic issue you know that they, they've done this um science had tested ants because there are ants everywhere it's funny i asked somebody what their greatest fear in the jungle was and they said ants i kind of get that now having lived there for a while i mean they come from things that you that are so small you can barely see them to these ones that are like an inch and a half long called bullet ants. i've seen them on your instagram At, yeah actually named the bullet ants uh because obviously <laughs> being bitten one feels like being shot by a bullet um Yes, yeah, so that apparently they're good medicine, but I don't really want to test that medicine, frankly. <laughs> yeah. But it's like every single ant, even in remote places of the Amazon, which are uncontacted, they all had plastic in them. Wow. So plastic is now in everything. It's in our food. It's in our water. It's, there's not one centimetre of this planet that does not have microplastics in it. That's a far worse global threat in the long term than COVID. So when are we all going to start waking up to this? Yeah. When are we all going to start, you know, really modifying and changing our behavior and not just burying our head in another Netflix binge series or, you know, a, a bottle of wine or whatever it is that we resource with and actually go, do you know what? We actually all have to start changing our behavior. Right. Um, really, really interesting. And as you're speaking, this thing came up for me, which hasn't come up before. And I was suddenly like, ah, 
because you were talking about you know the kind of disintegration and 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 stopping kind of handing everything over and I suddenly thought you know people we're we're afraid we're hardwired to be afraid of chaos many people are afraid of chaos in their own systems and so they want to put order in however that is most people have given that sense of putting the order in to somebody or something outside of themselves and so I'm wondering like what kind of thing we could leave people with in this conversation that is kind of helpful healing um insightful (laughs) I want to speak yeah there is and I have some ideas on that but I want to speak to something into that chaos right because that fear of chaos is part of the lie of the patriarchy it's part of this lie of the the yang the progress at all costs that has led to the corporations and the lie of money it's all a lie yeah our whole world is based on lies literally but, you know, money only exists because we believe in it. It's the lie, again, that we have belief in. Like the yeah. God, the lie we believe in. So it's the same thing. And what has the chaos is the repression of the feminine. So that's why there is the repression of the feminine, because the masculine is terrified of the outrage, the Kali of mm. the feminine. Mm. You know, Mother Nature, I see it. I live with the Kali of the feminine. Believe me, if you want to see the Kali of the feminine, come live in the jungle for a while. You'll see her <laughs> raging and having a flipping hiccup temper tantrum every two minutes. Right? <laughs> it's like as she expresses herself in the pure, sublime beauty of, you know, I watch love in motion every day of my life here. And it's wow. the life, death, rebirth cycle is, is instant. You know, you see a rotten twig and you see life sprouting out of it, you know, literally overnight sometimes when the rains have been heavy. I mean, that 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 pure love in motion in terms of the creatrix and the jungle is chaos. The jungle is an absolute tumultuous chaos. Yeah. But within that chaos is divine order. Yeah. Yeah. And so I get that what needs to the in the balance there needs to be an outrage of the feminine the feminine does need to wake up not in a not in a the men are bad or anything like it's not that it's got to come back into balance it's out of balance anything on this planet that is out of balance as we know basically fucks up eventually yeah and that yeah. is what is happening so we need but the, the the feminine is terrified to outrage yeah. It's terrible because it's been taught that it's not good. You've got to be a good girl. We're still playing to a large extent the good girl script. And Absolutely. that outrage is bubbling up. Yeah. And it's like that is what gives, you know, courage. There's another rage, the courage of the heart to stand up. And as Marion Williamson so beautifully put in her presidential, you know, love says no. Yeah. It's okay. Love to say no. Yeah. Yeah. And to express that. So my sense is the way through is local community support groups for people to gather locally, to connect locally, even and to accept all. You know, we have to be able to accept the the commonality and diversity. You know, the jungle is this great big tumultuous met where I see a different species every single day. I've been here for over a year. I see something different every single day. Glastonbury is quite like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it it definitely is. One of every variety. In that, but it all just, it's not, it's not fighting with each other. I mean, yes, there's a, you know, there's a defensive, you could say it's a predatory universe from that perspective, you know, trees grow spikes to protect themselves, but it all kind of tumbles along together. Mm. It's Mm. evolution. Mm. and we need to be able to come back into this balance of the outraging so one of the things that I feel really helps people is a your kind of work with breath work is really powerful but movement yeah but movement like as in you know sort of dance movement but not dance you know but movement just to like what somatic exploring yeah somatic exploring is huge it's like because that's where it is. We are not embodied. We've been taught to be in the mind and we need to give, you know, mastery back to the heart. We, yeah. You know, the ma- you know, that it's time for the master and the emissary to come together. Yeah. To really yeah. work together rather than in separation. Yeah. We have to come back to that embodied experience of when we can touch those uncomfortable places, when we can touch the rage that actually sits in all of us, if we're yeah. honest. Yeah. Yeah. And safely find ways to outrage, to let the pressure out of the pressure cooker in safe ways, 
that's when things will start to change. I that's love how you're breaking down these words. I absolutely love it. And I can feel in my system a response because, you know, my, my body, work, my breath work practice is changing all the time because um, the more and more I do it, the more I see where we are frozen in our systems. Yes. And the more I see people who might be doing this and the body is rigid and you know and that's been my life's work we always teach what we need to learn don't we you know but my life's work has been coming back into the body developing a relationship with that felt sense and that somatic experience creating a sense of safety from which I can move out into the world by recognizing and knowing myself and, and being able to then become the witness so that I can not go into the reactive space and, and again, you know, reactivity is different to response and Absolutely. outrage can, can have it and anger can have a very, very valid place as teachers. But it's all about the consciousness, the consciousness that we bring, whether it's to the community, to the feeling, to the experience. But I, I agree with you. I think embodiment is kind of we need to get back to those animal instincts, because when we're in those, we know what yes. feels true and right and wrong. And the and other confusion is dilution. Yeah, it's true. And this powerful way forward, I, I really believe in the power of the talking stick mm. um, because, because you can see it, like uh, how divisive Facebook has become for exactly the reason that you mentioned earlier. There's 7 billion people and we all have a different view, mm. you know, and we're being fed that, you know, Facebook and those social media platforms are, they thrive on conflict. They thrive on divide and conquer. Yeah. So we see now with friends that we thought were on the same page as us and suddenly we realise they're not, you know, and they want us to wear a mask and they think we're killing them, you know, and this kind of thing. Mm. And it's awful. And it's like, I really, so if we are to build healthy communities, we have to be able to witness each person's, you know, the way of counsel in terms of everyone when they're holding the stick, pay, paying sacred witness to somebody's voice and hearing everybody's voice, yeah. in order to know what new comes into that space in the circle in the middle because there's mm. the empty creative space of what emerges is about each person's voice in collaboration mm. without you know so that people are safe to have a different opinion because people have become unsafe to voice what they feel anymore yeah. and that is just going to create more of this pressure cooker effect where then it's you know it's unhealthy rage it's, it's violence it's it's fighting yeah. It's it's a it's a reaction rather than a responsibility. Outrage can be a response, a, a response ability, taking responsibility for that um, experience of felt sense if it's allowed a safe container and safe mm -hmm. ways to express. Mm -hmm. And this is gonna, you know, we we've put ourselves back in some ways. We put ourselves back years, and in other ways, we've been given such a gift. It's whether we have the consciousness to really step into this and own the gift that we have been given and to start to do the work. Yeah, um, certainly I believe that that's true for me and that's my personal experience. And I'm listening to that for a lot of people, even those who are struggling perhaps more than I yeah. might be. And mine's been waves after waves yeah, of, okay, this is presenting itself for me to look at. This is coming in. Um, and I'm grateful to have had the time and the ability to go inward more and actually feel because most of us have been so, you know, our ability to actually hold attention and thoughts, you know, I saw somewhere recently, most of us touch our phone a thousand times more in a day than we would touch a lover or a friend. And, you know, and even that now is like, you know, you can't even do that. Oh, did you hug that person? Oh, my God. You know, and then we're constantly kind of going against ourselves. So coming back into the body, into the breath, reaching out, listening, finding these places where we can um, create healthy community and a healthy community, a healthy body is only really the sum of its parts. So I love what you said about bringing everything in because yeah. we've all got, you know, if you think about what's moving around in the body at any point in time, you know, and how it's affected by environment, by thought, by hormones by you know you talked about the plastics we look at the food that we eat the way that we consume we look at the distractions um you know and, and there's no space there's no space around things for people to actually feel the feelings and then make up their mind based on their experience of what feels true that's right. And I love this about coming back to the heart as well, because that's also the heart of my teachings. You know, this is the true teacher. It's the longest journey we will ever make is that from the head to the heart to come into the consciousness of the heart as the teacher. 
the warrior hearts as the teacher, you know. Mm. Really interesting. So um, I feel like there's, you know, there's just a huge amount more that we could say. Um, is there anything else that's come up that you can think of? We're probably about at time now, but is there anything else that you'd like to bring in towards the end of this? Just about, you know, how can people find you? That's one question. Are you willing to be found? Is there still work? Yeah, no, 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 I am very willing. <laughs> I'm very willing to be found. Um, Instagram is probably the best right now. I mean, my website's down and I haven't managed to find enough kind of time and space to get it organized, um, which is Davina McHale. You can find me on Instagram at Davina McHale. I don't know what the hashtag thing or whatever you have to put before that is, but that's the best. And that is really very much has my journey um, on that. And I'm still doing readings for people when I'm in town and one-to-one yeah. -one online sessions, but that's yeah. the only sort of work I'm doing really out in the world in this moment. And what sort uh, of readings until, until, are you offering to people? I, 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 I use the tarot, but uh, as a channel, basically, I've been doing readings for over 30 years. So they're very yeah. much empowerment guidance sessions. They're when you're stuck, don't know where you're going. I, I channel very fast and um, people get a lot of information. <laughs> right. So um, somebody expressed having a reading with me as being in standing in a wind tunnel for an hour, put it that way. <laughs> so I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I do make sure it's recorded so you can go back and reflect on it afterwards because it takes quite a while to digest, but a lot yeah. of information comes through. I love your um, energy around it. Yeah. So, uh, and I love doing, it. I love, I, I love reading for people. Um, mm. that, that is a passion of mine. Um, I like, you know, just opening that space and seeing what comes through for them. Mm. Um, because I think people need, you know, sometimes we all need help, don't we? We all, we all need a helping hand. And that's another thing. To, it doesn't matter where we are in the hierarchy of experience or what we've done or how we are. That's really, really being willing to ask for help and accept that we're vulnerable and accept that we really need others in this process. It's mm. like, I, you know, I just, yeah. And God, I want to bring back to, I mean, I'm very blessed, you know, I, I, I have, cause I don't really sort of subscribe to the whole, and obviously I'm very isolated in the jungle. So at least I get hugs every day. I, you know, I have human touch every day and that's a bonus. I, it's the biggest shock. I tell you one little small story. So to go back, the biggest shock of this right at the beginning was talking to my mom on the phone. God bless our mothers. <laughs> my mother is a, absolute proponent of the BBC. Well, BBC told me, darling. I was <laughs> right. Um, God bless her. So, and she had my grand, uh, her grandson had been around and she and said, I said, oh, well, obviously we don't hug. And I didn't get it at first. And I kind of got off the phone and I was like, hang on a minute. So your grandson has been in your house and you haven't hugged him. Mm. And I had to go back and, and I just said, mom, what do you mean? And I said, you didn't give him a hug. And that's how much she had believed the the terror of this disease that her own grandson was in her own house and she didn't hug him mm. you know that, that 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 was huge for me that was that was a real and I just think wow how many households and I, I my favorite essay on the whole of COVID was the the coronation essay written by Charles Eisenstein mm. if you've not read it it's really worth it it's a brilliant piece of work yeah. and and that really speaks to me of like surely any of us would rather i certainly would it's like what price life we all have to die you know yeah. that's what we're here for you know we're yeah. all on our way. <laughs> it's a matter about when it turns up and that's another thing we do not deal with this covid thing because we have hidden death mm. we've tried to sterilize death we're not even in relationship to death anymore oh my we gosh yeah we need to walk with death by our side yeah. we have to face that one it's yeah. just our birthday yeah. And when we can get over that, this, you know, save lives, keep safe, it's nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. Yeah. And that's what we need to get over and really accept that, no, I would rather hug my friend. I would rather live a few days less and have that hug and mm. feel that love and connection and that deliciousness mm. of a hug in this moment than live an extra five days. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. No, and, it, and it's choice, these choices and this waking up, it's like, it, it's, it's, I sometimes do find it sort of frustrating, you know, and I just think, okay, it's just, you know, we have to accept where people are at, but it's like this blindedness. The propaganda is so clever in how it has blinded people. Mm. so that they cannot it's like the truth it's and it's like in a system because it's all part of the system we're all in this system together so it's like where is the truth beyond the lie of the system we've created and we have to go deeper 
and we've got to go deeper and we've got to go deeper. And that's, and the only place for that is inside. I love that we've brought two older women's voices into this conversation today. Um, I listen to a lot of very wonderful, very inspiring men talking about this stuff. Um, there are women out there talking about it as well, of course, but for me, it's been really enriching to actually, you know, this sense of the Kali, the outrage, the stuff, because as that bubbles up for me and I see where that's been repressed in me, um, it just needs to be able to, you know, the, this balance. And I love that you also framed it really early on as it's not about any more a return to the matriarchy. It's about no. balance, everything. It's about balance. So bringing our voices forward, bringing that conversation in. Um, one last thing I'd like to ask you actually quickly before we end is, do you find that when you speak out like this, in this way, presenting your truth and presenting what you feel, you know, in relationship to the things that happen in the jungle, to the chaos, to the animals, to living on the edge all the time, to the community, um, and to everything that we've been conditioned by, when you speak out about that, do you find that you come under um, verbal attack or, you know, are, are people critical? We'll, we'll find out when you put this out. <laughs> <laughs> the thought crossed my mind is like, okay, here we go. You know, because, uh, but I have, because I have kept quiet. I have quite quiet. I, at the beginning of COVID, I put things out because I obviously do have controversial views or not the mainstream views. And yeah, I came under fire very, very quickly. And I was kind of shot. I was like, oh, okay, I'm not going to engage in that conversation. Likewise. Um, because not in that, because it's not a real conversation. Yeah. It's somebody sitting behind and I, you know, they're not face to face, eyeball to eyeball with me. There's you know, no talking a, stick. Yeah. There's no talking stick. Exactly. There's no witness. So it's easy to be abused in that situation. So I'm like, okay, I'm not going to put myself up for that abuse. Mm. But I am at the point, and again, I've been through a very deep journey and I'm only beginning. This is really, this conversation with you is my first kind of emergence, even to know through this process of even knowing what I'm thinking in relation to this in a way. Yeah. And I have felt it's been bubbling up in the last few weeks, it's been bubbling up for a while. It's like, I can't keep quiet anymore. This is how I'm feeling. We're at a critical point where there's a sense of, I, I think many of us rode that same wave. And actually that was a teacher for me as well, because the teaching in that was discernment. It was right timing. It was, it was going in even deeper to what my rage wanted to actually teach me once I applied that discernment. You know, you talked about the emissary and the, and the control, yeah. you know. Um, and but now I feel that there's almost well you know and we hear this a lot at what point when we are keeping quiet to be become have we become complicit in everything just rolling through and all these rights being eroded and I exactly. cannot let that happen I can't let that exactly. happen <laughs> um okay and, well and I think if we can talk with reason you know like with with reason from our hearts from that place of centeredness it it gives people permission to have another view to hear something different into the mix because i'm like you i'm I, i'm like i am complicit in my masters you know in, in my own enslavement if i'm not prepared to say something yeah 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 and i and i think we are at that stage and i do believe it's women yeah. it, because you know it, that's the balance that has been repressed that is the outrage that needs to have the courage to mm. to be spoken Mm, mm, mm. um but in a in a way that that you know in solidarity and holding hands i mean i just i, I yeah i want you know i, I want to see women around the fire holding hands being in solidarity with each other in in community to, to bring this back to and to hold the men safe mm, mm. to hold the men safe because what i truly see is that you know the globe is being run by an awful lot of traumatized boys yeah boy is, is traumatized bullied boy you know they've been bullied at school yeah. so they're bullying us yeah you know bless them god bless them it's just they have their own process and i, I it's like i want to get a bunch of powerful women and go up and hold circles around all those poor men so that they can actually be in their vulnerability and be held yeah. to you know really collapse themselves feel. and feel yeah. Yeah, they're frozen stuff so that they can come back to the heart can come mm. back to compassion, rather than feeling that they have to fight this through bullying through protection through mm. pushing away. 
Well, you know, as you said at the beginning, again, goodness knows there's going to be an awful lot of trauma to heal. I think that there's, that's something that most people are agreed on, that there is a collective trauma that is going to need all of my friends who work in counselling, psychotherapy exactly. and all the rest yeah. are absolutely swamped at the moment. They've never been busier. Many of them have had to give up jobs and trainings in order to solely focus on their client sessions. Yeah. Um, there's a reason for that. You know, let's not forget that all of these instincts that we because we are very adaptable we shut down and we start to adapt to what is happening but that is not necessarily a great thing it's a form of dissociation you know we anybody you, you only have to work with somebody or you know be that person in most of our cases where we have understood the effects of trauma in our system and that the adaptation that we learn and that the, the system shutdown and the dissociation that we learn is not a good thing it's a coping strategy it's an yeah, intelligence right. it's an intelligent choice but it's not a long-lasting choice that we want and to see it has, and it leads to ill health and it yeah. you know it wrecks our immune system you know everything we are doing currently wrecks our immune system rather than supports it you know if we're going to get over if we're really going to reclaim our well-being then you know we need to breathe freely we need to take off masks we need to get outside we need to have fresh air we need to eat good food we need to exercise we need to connect with human beings we need human touch it's really yeah. important for our immunity yeah yeah um so yes, all of those. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. On that note, let's see. You know, um, we will we'll be posting this later today, and um, you know, we have the choice to enable comments or disable comments. Let's leave you them can, up for a while. And enable comments, bring it on. Okay, I'm a long way away. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Davina. I'll be reaching out, going. <laughs> I'm in the jungle. I can't get any signal. You're on your own, Steph. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. Although I know I'm not. Um, thank you so much. I'm going to stop recording now. So um, I'm going to really, uh, yeah, I'll have a, I'll stay on. I'll have a quick chat with you. But thank you very, very much, Davina, for being on today, for bringing pleasure. your Real wisdom, pleasure. your inspiration, your energy, your focus, your passion, and all of those things that, you know, this is what we need as inspiration. Thank you. Amazon on the current world situation. Much love. Thank you for listening.